He's on Ephesians, the big story. Uh, to one another is today's title. Um, so we talked about all these different, or we read about all these different relationships uh, in Ephesians uh, 5 and 6 that we just read. And it, I think that this passage, um, I want us to understand uh, the context in which this pa- passage greets us. But I think oftentimes we read it from a certain kind of worldview. And, and, and obviously from modern uh, eyes and ears, because this is 2019, right? We can't help it. You know, but I think oftentimes we think about life as a power struggle. Oftentimes we think of life as there are winners and losers. And this tends to uh, kind of tense all of our relationships. You know, it, it's sort of like there's always this quid pro quo tit for tat. Right. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. You know, um, but at times I think there's also a sense of winning and losing. If I get my way, that means you don't get your way. If I'm the one in charge, that means you're the one who follows me, right? And does what I want, you know? And, and this is something that we're very aware of, I think, in our day and age, the idea of power. And power is something that oftentimes, it almost seems like a dirty word now, because we know, um, as the, the saying goes, right, that power tends to corrupt, corrupt, and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely, as they say. Right. And so, um, you know, whenever we get the sniff of hierarchy, of someone being above or below or someone having power, you know, we, we, we kind of bristle. We kind of like, ooh, I don't know about this. And I don't know. Maybe it was my imagination. But, you know, we always do this kind of alternate reading. And again, maybe it was just my imagination. But it kind of seemed like when we read the verse about wives submitting to their husbands, it seemed like less people said that out loud. I don't know. Maybe it's, again, maybe I'm just imagining it. But it seemed like some people were like, yeah, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> you know, brothers and sisters, I, I can't deny that this is in Scripture. I want to take a biblical worldview. I, I want us to understand this. And I think it's very uh, important for us to understand it in context. This does not just drop out of the sky without context. And... Um, uh, so I, I do want to give kind of a disclaimer. Uh, what I'm going to share with you, I think, is biblical. I'm going to try to, to, to convince you that it's biblical. Um, and, and I'm going to try to convince you of the spirit of what I think Paul is trying to communicate through the Holy Spirit. And, and it might be a little bit different than some of the ways that you have heard this passage taught. And so for some people, there, you, it, it, just pay attention to what you're feeling. You might feel an automatic like, oh, no, we're, you know, uh, I don't know, some resistance uh, to how I'm presenting this. And I'm not trying to present it from somebody who's reading into it what I want to hear, but truly in the spirit of the text. So uh, if, if I could just humbly ask you to be very forgiving <laughs> and be very open to just hear. You, you, you don't have to believe what I say just because I say it. But if you could just at least hear me out, right? And, uh, you know, I, we agree to disagree sometimes. Sometimes we can talk about these things. I have very, very good uh, brothers and sisters in ministry who probably disagree with my take on this passage. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, this is my uh, humbly, uh, through prayer and through investigation, uh, uh, th- this is what I found. And so uh, I want to point out uh, verse 21, uh, sorry, um, Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Verse 21. And this is how it appears in the ESV. 
Okay, so this is how it appears in the ESV. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you can already see that submitting was part of another uh, sentence. Now, this gets a little tricky in the Greek because in Greek, there are no uh, periods. There's no punctuation and there's no paragraph breaks. So when you look at the Greek uh, as it originally appears, it's just what we would call now a wall of text, right? It's hard to read. The reason why we have punctuation, the reason why we have paragraphs is because it just hits you and you just see this wall of text. But back then, just, you know, they're, they're... their attention spans were better or whatever, you know, uh, it, it just, it was just a different way of communicating, right? That just, that's just the way it was. And so this, uh, sort of, uh, sharp period here, and then you got a paragraph break, and then you've got the subtitle, which is not there, right? Somebody gave that subtitle, wives and husbands, and then you pick up on a completely new paragraph. Wives submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord. And so what many of us do as we read scripture, and unfortunately the way scripture is set up, is a lot of people, we just kind of drop into scripture, right? We, we just kind of uh, pick up at a topic or a verse that we want to read. And the, the danger of this is we are often in danger of taking it completely out of context. And I believe that's what many people have done with these passages. So some of the passages we're reading today are some of the most controversial in Scripture, right? And I think part of the reason is because you just drop into it. And you're like, oh, I want to read about wives and husbands. Well, hey, the ESV tells me that this is where we start talking about wives and husbands. So for those who have been part of LGM, you've probably heard me teach on this passage before. And you may know that uh, verse 21 and 22 are part of the same sentence. And you're like, well, Pastor Steve, you just said there's no punctuation. You know, so how do you know it's, it's actually the same sentence? How do you actually know that Paul wasn't organizing it as a different paragraph? I'll tell you. <laughs> there's a very concrete reason why we know this. When you look at the Greek. But brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that verse 21 is the, the, this is the, the defining verse for the rest of this passage. If you do not understand verse 21, and worse, if you take verse 21 out of this passage, you completely lose the meaning. Why? Because what is the big story? You guys remember what the big story is? Anyone be so bold as to Give your take. You don't have to say it exactly. It's Ephesians 1, 9 through 10, if you want to look it up real quick. right? But, so what we have been trying to submit to you is that in Ephesians, what Paul says is the will of God, is the mystery of the gospel, is that the gospel is not just for some people. It's for everyone. And God's big plan in this world is to unite all people, all people, and I mean all people, under Christ. To bring people who were separate, who, who thought to each other, ah, I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile, I'm better than you. You know, to people who might think like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm such a, you know, righteous religious person and you're a sinner. And wants to bring all these people under Christ. It doesn't mean that there isn't a place for holiness. It doesn't mean that our behavior won't change. But that is the goal. That's the end goal is to unify us, to bring us all together. And so, brothers and sisters, to read these passages as a power struggle is wrong. Because that's not what this is about. This is about unifying. This is about making us one. Not making one person above 
and one person below. That's not what this passage is about. And that is why when it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it literally means to one another. Everyone has a role in this, right? If we are to unify, you can't go to someone else and be like, hey, you need to act more like Christ. But I don't. (laughs) That doesn't make sense, right? You're not doing your part. No. If we are going to live out the big story, we all have a part. Because we're all sinners, right? Like like there needs to be submission in all of us. There needs to be Christ-like sacrificial love in all of us, right? But we'll get to, I don't want to diminish what it says in the scripture. I'm not saying that verse 21 erases the rest of the passage, but I'm going to try to explain. But you have to understand from the top, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not only in there, but it's actually a part of the next verse. So uh, I, I did this before a couple years ago, but I want to show you guys in the Greek because just hearing me say it maybe isn't enough to convince you. <laughs> but this is one of the few times I'll show you the Greek. Okay, so let's take a look. This is a Greek interlinear Bible. So very helpfully, it's going to show you uh, the Greek and then the English below it, right? So that's the literal English translation below it. So I want to remind you of what verse 22 says in the ESV, just to be helpful. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. But in the actual Greek, it says the wives to their own husbands as to the Lord. Now you may notice... What word is missing in verse 22? Submit. The word submit does not even appear in verse 22. What? Now, where does the word submit appear? Verse 21, right? So check it out. Verse 21. Now, when I took this picture, my socks were in it. Sorry. (laughs) It's just, just ignore that part. Just so you know, I took the picture. Those are my socks. I wear those socks all the time. Okay, so verse 21, it says, being submissive to one another in the fear of Christ. That's the word. That's where the word submissive or submit appears in the passage. Well, it's going to say it again, right? But it does not appear in verse 22. So this is what it is really trying to say, okay? So uh, I, I um, changed it here. Uh, I, I, I changed, this is the ESV, but with the one exception of I did not make it a different paragraph. This is how it actually should appear, literally. Okay? It should say, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's the way it actually should appear in the Greek. Now, I, I, I don't know the ESV people. I don't know why they wrote it this way. Right? I have my, I have my uh, suspicions. Interestingly enough, in the NIV, uh, in the 1984 NIV, they used to separate uh, verse 21 from verse 22, just like in the ESV. But in the 2011, the updated NIV, they put verse 21 into uh, the, the paragraph with verse 22, right? Because, like, literally, it's the same sentence. Verse 22 makes zero sense without verse 21, Right? So the idea is that we are all supposed to submit to one another. And yes, it does say, wives submit to your own husband. Well, it doesn't say that, right? (laughs) Because the word submit is not in there. But it's implied. It is implied. Wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. And it's going to say submit again. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, then it's going to have some things for the husbands, talking about how we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church, right, in a sacrificial way. It talks about how you should give up your life or be willing to give up your life for your wife, right? And it's going to go so far as to say, uh, oh, whoops. Is that not there? Uh, oh, yeah. My bad. Uh, let's go back to... Oh, shoot. You're just going to have to take my word for it. <laughs> so uh, what it says in uh, verses 28 through uh, 33, it says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Right? Uh, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of one body. What is that talking about? Big story, right? That's the big story right there. We are members of one body. We're connected to each other. We belong to each other. We need to learn not to be like, yo, I'm better than you. You listen to me, right? I, wife, do what I say. Make me a sandwich. That's not what this is saying, brothers and sisters. But you have to understand something. Right now, uh, so before uh, I, I explain, I think why it seems so different, right? It, it, because you're like, okay, but Pastor Steve, it does say something very different to the wives than to the husbands, right? I mean, definitely that's there. Like, like the wives part is all about submission, right? The 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 husband is the head of the body, right? And in the same way, the husband. Is ahead of the wife. And you're like, oh, checkmate, Pastor Steve, come on, right? It says the husband's the head of the wife, right? Now, I want to point out to you a couple other of of relationships. And this is the reason why we included them. You got children, and you've got parents. And then you've got slaves or bondservants, and you've got masters, right? And in each one, uh, the, the, the parents and the children have slightly different instructions. And also, the masters and the bondservants have slightly different instructions, right? I mean, it just makes sense, right? So when it says, let, let's take children, for example. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in, in the land. I mean, you know, parents, we love this passage. Hey, kids, did you see what God said, right? Come on, you got to listen to me. You got to honor me. Um, but then we very conveniently don't talk about the next one. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, we often read these passages as like, this is God's Will, this is God's plan for relationships. Remember, the whole point of Ephesians is, it, it, it is about telling us how to become one. That's what it's trying to do. Nowhere do I think Paul's like, hey, let me give you a godly plan for marriage. Let me tell you, like, like the, the, the people out there, the heathens, they're living in this crazy way, right? Their marriages, they make no sense. But let me tell you how godly marriage is supposed to be. This is the way we read it now, right? We read it through the lens of 2019. But you have to remember, Paul was not writing to people in 2019. 
He was writing to people in his time who understood their cultural context, right? In much the same way, when he's talking about children obey your parents, now let me ask you a question. Do you think people during that time, even during this time, do you think that that's news? Is that a new pattern of being a, a parent? Is, is that like, like, like people are like, oh my gosh, we're supposed to obey our parents? Thank you, Paul. I didn't know that. Because if you didn't tell us that, we wouldn't be obeying our parents. No. Of course people were obeying their parents. That's just what people did. That was the role. That was the relationship that parents had to their children, right? What is the new information here? What is the important information? It's not obeying your parents that's the new information. The new information is in the Lord. That's the new information, right? So when you obey your parents, you may obey your parents because you have to. Your parents are going to beat you or whatever, right? Or they're not going to give you money. Okay, back then, right? Let's not beat our kids, please. But, you know, there might be a lot of reasons to obey your parents. And in a lot of kids, we do it begrudgingly. We don't want to obey our parents. But I guess I have to or I'm going to get in trouble. And Paul's like, no, no, no. Remember the big story. When you obey your parents, obey your parents in the Lord as if you are obeying the Lord. I know this is weird, but can you imagine that you treated your parents like you would Jesus? And their words, you treated them like Jesus's words. So some of the, the kids are starting to look down. I don't know why you guys are looking down right now. But, but can you imagine how that would change your relationship with your parents? Right? And then parents, when it talks about the fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Telling fathers to discipline their kids is not new information. Everybody did that. But it's telling you why and how that you do it in the Lord, that you don't provoke them to anger. Because back then, yeah, of course they would discipline, but some of that discipline was very unchristlike, right? It's very unchristian. It was done out of anger. Man, this little kid won't obey me. You know what? I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of this world. It's not very Christ-like. It's not the big story, right? But the idea of disciplining your parent, uh, your kids, that was just to be expected. That is your role. Does that make sense? Now, let's go back to husbands and wives for a moment. Now, so, so this is what we do in this passage oftentimes. We read it in the lens of 2019. It's almost like, do you ever see like those, those uh, um, uh, what is the, those, those shows sometimes like, 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 have you ever seen like a historical drama where it'll be like back in the day, like in Victorian England or something, you know, or um, in a different time period in the Renaissance and they'll have a princess and they're like, okay, this is 2019, y'all, but they're trying to make you think it's like the 1500s, right? And then, like, like the, the woman is like super liberated, right? It's like a feminist princess. And she's like, I don't need no man, right? And she's like, you know, like, I'm an independent, strong woman. And you ever see those things and just be like, okay, now, while I don't disagree with that in 2019, that's not the way it would have been in the 1500s. That's weird, right? And that's the way many of us read this passage, so when you see what they're talking about, when it says wives to your own husbands as to the Lord, would this have been information to anyone? Would this have been new to anyone to tell wives back in biblical times to submit to your husbands? That was just expected. That's the role. 
Did you know that in uh, the Roman times, that wives were treated like property? I'm sorry, I didn't make this up. This is just the way it was, right? It's not right, but that's just the way it was. And so if a husband was mad at their wife or displeased with their wife, or they didn't like their wife's cooking, they could kill them. It's true. They could kill them and there's no legal recourse. They're like, well, that's your wife. You can do what you want with your wife, right? Now, today in 2019, that is ghastly. We do not understand that, right? But what Paul is doing here is he's talking about something that already exists. He's talking about a role that already exists. He's not trying to say, yeah, I know all you, you out there are living these as if men and women are equal. Nobody lived that way. Right? There weren't these egalitarian marriages. It was always the wife submitting to the husband. So the new information here is not submitting to your husband. It is as to the Lord. That's the new information. The wives were were thought to be inferior or, you know, they had to subjugate themselves. And Paul says all this stuff that is new information. He says, Husbands and wives are one. You're the same. You belong to each other. You are one flesh. So husbands, when you treat your wives, right? And and when you, uh, 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 the way you treat them, you need to love them in a Christ-like way. Now, but some people might be saying, okay, but Steve, it clearly says, husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. But remember, that was already assumed, right? And so what he's trying to say is that in that relationship, now treat this relationship as if you were Christ, and as if your wife was the person you were supposed to love. And then the the wife, you treat that relationship that has already been posited, that we already believe in, that nobody questions, right? And so when your, your husband is telling you what to do, because that's what they would do, right? You obey them as if they were the Lord. When we go and see that passage about masters and servants and slaves, we, we, we don't like that passage because we're like, well, is Paul saying slavery is okay? Of course not. That's not what this passage is about, right? At this time in the uh, Roman Empire, there were probably about 5 million slaves, Paul isn't saying, everyone rise up, (laughs) slaves, overthrow your... That's not what he's talking about. Okay, like, like, why doesn't he do that? I don't know. But it isn't the time or place, right? I mean, Christianity is a fledgling religion. I mean, maybe it wouldn't survive that kind of thing. You know, the Roman, uh, the, the whole system relied upon slaves. Most of their labor came from slaves, right? Christianity probably would have been stamped out if they went around telling people you couldn't have slaves anymore. And by the way, Paul doesn't think slavery is okay necessarily. There's a whole uh, uh, letter called Philemon that that is about a Christian slave owner whose uh, slave, Onesimus, uh, escapes. And he runs away and he goes to Paul. And Paul sends him back to Philemon, but he tells Philemon, hey, I'm sending you back Onesimus, not as a slave, but as a fellow brother in Christ. Can you treat him as a brother in Christ? Right? And so Paul isn't saying that this relationship is okay. He's saying this is the way it is in this world. Nobody questions that, right? And his goal is not to give you a Christian pattern of marriage. 
That's not what I see here. When you look at the whole context of Ephesians, I don't think he's trying to give a Christian pattern of marriage. He's trying to tell you that within your marriage, to do it in a Christ-like way. Okay, so, so now let's go back to the head of the church stuff, right? Christ is the head of the church, his body. And it's, uh, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of his, the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, some people are saying, yeah, but, but Steve, isn't it such that Christ is still our head? And yeah, he's super humble. And yeah, he loves very sacrificially, but we have to listen to him. So don't our wives need to listen to their husbands just like we listen to Christ? Now, this is the thing. This is the subtlety in this passage, and this is the thing that's a little bit weird, Okay. Now, it's saying the husband is like Christ, just like it said, the dad is like Christ, and the master should be like Christ. And by the way, the children should be like Christ. The servants should be like Christ. What about the women? Are women Christians? Can women be Christians? Of course, right? Some of you guys are smiling. You're like, Pastor Steve, that's so stupid. Of course they can be Christian. What is a Christian? Why do we call ourselves Christian? You know what it means to be a Christian? You're a Christian. You are a little Christ. Right? You are a little Christ. So this is the way Christians are supposed to act in this world. You act like Christ. You are supposed to be like Christ and love people in such a way as Christ loved us. But you also treat other people as if they are Christ. Right? So it's kind of weird. Husbands like Christ... So is the wife. In that relationship, at that time, if Paul would have said, hey, why don't you guys just split all the tasks in your household 50-50? That just kind of makes sense. I I, I can see a crystal ball. This is going to work really well. Okay? Wife can work. Wife can... Nobody... People would have been losing their minds. They're like, what are you talking about? That would have made zero sense. Right? So Paul's interest here is not to upend the social system. He is trying to tell you to treat one another as if you are Christ and as if they are Christ. So if you're in a position, let's say you're an employee in an employer, right? That if your employer is giving you instructions and telling you what to do, or somebody above you like your parents, and unfortunately in this society, it just is what it is, right? Husbands were that way too. So when somebody has a role above you, Don't obey them like you're obeying a human. Obey them like you're obeying Christ. That's what he's saying. Does that make sense? Yeah? Some of y'all, you can fight me later, okay? This is like, you're like, ah, Pastor Steve, I've just been, you know, I've heard all these things differently. Okay, fair enough. But can you at least hear it in this way? What it's saying, I think, is that when you are in a position where, where, you know, you're telling someone what to do, you do it gently. You do it sacrificially. You love them. Absolutely. But in, when you are in a position where you are receiving those instructions, that you do that and you submit as you would to Christ. You obey as you would to Christ. Now, like, wait a minute. I, I don't like what you're saying, right? In all of us, we have those different moments in our relationships, in modern marriages. This is uh, probably a longer pass, uh, uh, discussion, you know? So, so you can make the argument, yeah, but Pastor Steve, it would work better that way. You know, I don't know. Maybe it would. But given what Paul is trying to do, right? It is just one small passage in a larger letter that is all about trying to unify us in Christ, 
right? Saying to other people, yeah, you got a role. Everybody knows that. Nobody questions that role. But when you do that role, do it in a Christ-like way. That's what he's trying to say, right? And so in this, this larger passage, he's not trying to teach everyone about marriage. He's not trying to teach people in 2019 and try to change the way you do marriage. He's saying that in your marriages, be like Christ. Yeah, that's what it's about. So in this world, brothers and sisters, there are so many opportunities for us to do this. It doesn't just have to be in a husband and wife or in um, you know, a parent and child or in master and servant. But all of us have opportunities to submit to one another and to sacrificially love one another, right? And that should be a part of all of our relationships. Um, last night, I was uh, speaking at a men's retreat. Um, it was for uh, the Troy Hope, uh, which is the English ministry of KMC Ann Arbor. Oh, sorry, not KMC, that's us. <laughs> KMC Detroit, sorry. Um, but... Uh, you know, one of the things that we did at the men's retreat that I thought was really cool, um, and usually, I'll be honest, I think a lot of, <laughs> for me at least, um, I always said that it's really cool, and anytime someone wants to do this, I always say I'm down, but if I'm being really honest, I don't really want to do it. And what it was, was a foot washing ceremony. You guys ever done one of these? And so this comes from Jesus' example, right? It came from this really smart guy, this really cool guy, Jesus, who was teaching his disciples about what it means to serve one another. So Jesus gets down on his hands and knees, and this was very revolutionary. This was breaking some clear rules, you know, because this is what a servant would do. And washing someone's feet was a nasty, thankless job. Right? I mean, you have to imagine that people were walking long distances and they were in sandals. Have you ever smelled leather that gets sweaty and it's been in the sun? It's disgusting, right? And, and it, probably there was dirt. There's probably some animal feces particles, right, on there. And so, you know, when you went into someone's home, your, your feet were nasty and filthy. And so you would get a servant and they would bring a basin and a towel and they would kneel and get super close to your smelly, crap-covered feet and they would wash them. And Jesus, the Lord and Master, right, the Son of God, gets down on his hands and knees and starts washing his disciples, his sinful, messed up disciples. He starts washing their, their feet. And Peter just flips out. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Jesus, you can't do that. And, and, and what does he say? What does he say? He says, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you have no part of me. What does that mean? Part of me. What are we trying to do? What is the big story? We are trying to be a part of Jesus, a part of each other. We're trying to be unified with one another. And so Jesus does it. He washes all of their feet. And he says, you call me Lord and Master, and that's who I am. But I, as your Lord and Master, have shown you this example of what it means to serve other people. So you go and you do the same. And so, like, you know, I'm, I'm telling the men at this retreat, the average age was 41. I think the youngest person was 27. There's someone close to their 60s. So a wide range of guys, right? These older men, these people who, I mean, okay, I'm just going to do a stereotype. Men, please forgive me. But, you know, like when you start getting older and just as a guy, you just kind of think you're too cool for things. 
you know? And if you just kind of like, like guys, like, like when people are doing embarrassing things, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Just got your coffee in the corner and you're like, yeah, go ahead. You go wash feet. Mm, it's good for you, you know? And, and so there's a bunch of guys. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go down, but it's going to go down. We're going to do this right now. And so I have to be honest. I'm like, oh, I get to preside. And, and I probably wouldn't have admitted this to anyone, but I'm like, yes, because I don't have to do it. You know, but I asked all, every guy there, I was like, hey, how many people you're a little uncomfortable right now? And about 50% of the hands shot up. The other 50 were lying. <laughs> but they're all like, yeah, this is a little weird, you know. But so, so I was like, okay, guys, uh, by small group, you guys are going to come up here. Leaders go first. You wash their feet. And, and the guy who was like leading the retreat was like, oh, Pastor Steve, uh, uh, I was like, what? He's like, you, you go first. Like, Dang it. <laughs> Not getting out of this. And so I did. And it is mad humbling. It is so humbling to touch another man's feet. <laughs> and I, I mean, you know, like, like one of the things, I don't know why every time I do a foot washing ceremony, there's one guy who always like, get in there. Get in. <laughs> like, why? Why? Because they know that's the dirtiest, nastiest part in between. Get in there, Pastor Steve. Like, man, I hate you. Your turn next. You know, and we're getting in. It's mad embarrassing. And then another thing that I've never seen done is that we dried off the towel. And I actually was like so nervous. I did it wrong. I took a towel and I was using the towel to wash. They're like, Pastor Steve, that was to dry their feet. It's like, okay, well, I'm just a mess here, you know. And then afterwards, you had to take these, I don't know, they got like the tiniest socks I've ever seen. And, but they were stretchy and you had to put the socks on the guy's foot. It is so humiliating. Guys, guys, it was so humiliating. But I mean, I have to admit, you know, I think that's what it was about. It was supposed to be humbling. And then, you know, like, like we're, we're about all done, you know, and, and, and it was kind of cool because the, the, the guys, they would like, like pray for one another while they were doing this. And, um, but then I was like, okay, okay, guys, let's wrap up. Everyone get back together. They're like, no, 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 Pastor Steve, someone has to wash your feet. It's like, dang it. <laughs> I don't want another man touching my feet, but, you know, and getting in there. But, but he did. He got in there. And I have to be honest, it, it, it's a weird sensation to have another man touch your feet. But there was something really cool, too. I mean, it was humbling. But, you know, to having these brothers praying for me, you know, I mean, I, I, I will say this. I felt a lot closer to the guys in that room after that. And we had, like, this testimony time. There's a couple guys who got up, and they're like, actually, this, the guy, and he asked for permission. He, he went to the guy. He was like, hey, you know, Jason, can I share this? It wasn't Jason, but I'm just using a fake name. <laughs> but he's like, hey, Jason, can I share what, what just happened? And Jason was like, yeah, man, go ahead. And so he was like, the guy whose feet I washed today, uh, I've known him since we were little. And there's this time when you know, all of us were over for like Bible study or something, and we we're, were going to play a video game. And, and he went to like grab the controller, and one of the older boys punched him in the stomach. And he fell on the ground, and they're kids, right? Like, and he fell on the ground, and that kid's like, yeah, you're not playing, right? And he's like, and, and all of the other kids in that room didn't say anything. And so one of the kids was the guy who was washing his feet. It was his friend. And so, you know, he harbored this resentment for years. He's like, man, why didn't you defend me? Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you stick up for me? 
You know, and he's like, like of course, looking back on it, he's like, because we were kids, right? You know, maybe he didn't know what to say. Maybe he was too shocked. Maybe he looked away for a second. Who knows? There could be a lot of reasons. But he harbored that resentment for years. But as this brother who he held this hatred in his heart was serving him and humbling himself and kneeling and washing his feet, I mean, he just began to weep. And, and, and like he forgave him. He's like, hey, you know, I, I've harbored this resentment for years. I'm sorry. There is no version of that story that doesn't involve submission and sacrifice. That's what it says. And I know that it does seem to be that for the husbands, the sacrifice, that is emphasized. For the women, the submission is, is emphasized. But that's why Ephesians 5.21, it colors the entire passage when it says, submit to one another in reverence of Christ. Sacrifice for one another. That could be another one out of reverence for Christ. What would our relationships look like? I was going to, I played this trick on you guys earlier this year, so I wasn't going to do it again. I was going to be like, okay, David Beck, open the doors. We're going to do a foot washing ceremony. And then everyone would lose their minds, but we would cry and be humbled and it would be awesome. That actually would have been kind of cool. I want to suggest that to your small groups. <laughs> guys can do that in small groups sometime. You're welcome. <laughs> But <laughs> now it's not just about foot washing, but uh, can you imagine that posture in this world of really humbling yourself before people, swallowing your pride? I mean, think about this. If you're trying to unify, and maybe there's someone in the ministry who's hurt you, like really hurt you, forgiving them, oh, there's definitely submission and sacrifice in there, isn't it? It's painful, it hurts, it's difficult. To go to that person, like, why don't they come to me? They're the one who wronged me. They should be the one coming up to me and saying sorry. Why do I have to make the first step? Because we are called to be Christ. That's why. We are called to be Christ. And if we were to do that, we have a chance of becoming one. That's what this is about. If we had a church where people radically sacrificed and submitted to one another, regularly we, we, we forgave one another, we, we, we stepped out of our comfort zones to be like Christ to one another, I think we could live out the big story. Amen? Amen. Praise team, can you guys come up? I want to give you guys just some time to reflect because... Maybe there is something in this that spoke to you today. Maybe there's a specific way that you are being called to be like Christ. You are being given the honor. In this world of winning and losing, we see it as losing when we're called to be like Christ. Oh, I got to be Christ this time. You know, it's so unfair. Remember, we, we asked that question. I asked this very early on, and I ask you this often. Do you believe that the life of Christ is a good life? is the best life, is a blessed life, is even a fun life, is, is enjoyable, is full of joy. Sacrifice and submission, it doesn't sound like something that's full of joy. But that's what I see in the life of Christ.
And, and just, you know, if there's any way, you know, maybe there's a specific relationship you're thinking of. You're having a really hard time giving up your way. You got very strong feelings about this and you're holding on to it. And your pride is like, I can't give in. I can't give in. Pastor Steve, you don't understand. Well, that's okay because <laughs> I want you to bring that before God. What might God be calling you to do? Let's not zoom 10 steps ahead. Well, if I give in, then they'll take advantage of me. We don't know that. All we know is what you are called to be obedient to. And this hope of the big story of all of us united in the love of Christ. So maybe there's someone specifically that you want to pray for. Or maybe you want to uh, just pray in faith, in boldness, even though you're not interacting with this person right now, but you can obey the Lord. You're not obeying this person, guys. Let's be clear about that, what it says in this passage. It's not saying, you know, just uh, just give in so that they can win. It's not about that. Obey as to the Lord. And so, you know, maybe there's someone you need to forgive, someone you need to take the first step. And just, you know, you're not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but you just want to say yes to the Lord today. You just want to say, Lord, I will obey. Lord, I will submit. And maybe that means that you pray for them for the next month, every single day. You pray for your enemy. You bless them. And maybe you can just say yes. You're not asking the question, do I feel like it? That's a question of pride. That's a question of us being an authority. You know, we get to decide. But to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I will obey. I will obey in Christ. Precious God, I just want to pray for each and every person here. I'm sure for all of us that we run into people that are difficult to love. We run into situations where our pride flares up or we really want to win. We don't want someone to have power over us. But God, may we learn to submit, first of all, to you. That we may learn what it means to be a part of you. That your son served us. That your son served us on the cross. is so mind-blowing. That he humbled himself. That, that he, he lost so much. That he was stripped naked. That he went through such a painful ordeal. To give us the example of sacrificial and submissive love. Teach us, God, how to love one another. And may we do it in obedience. May, may we do it knowing that there's going to be a growth curve, knowing that it's not going to be easy. But in your strength and power, praying the whole way, God, asking for your strength, asking for your Holy Spirit to teach us, God, how to be like Christ in this world. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.